Hello. If you're able to, please close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. And a deep breath out. Relax your shoulders. Unclench your jaw. Take another deep breath in. And another breath out. You can open your eyes now. My name is David, and welcome to Mindful Moments. How are you doing today? I hope you're well. I, once again, I'm very tired and jet-lagged. This feels like a common occurrence recently. I promise it's not. It just so happens that in the month of October, I travelled a lot. I've just come back from Seoul, South Korea. It was an amazing trip. It was really, really amazing. I went with family. The city is amazing. Food was unbelievable. People were really lovely. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Really, really wonderful experience. Now I'm back and in the busiest period of my year, leading up to Christmas, I do feel tired. I do feel slightly daunted by the months that are ahead of me. But thinking too far ahead or worrying too far ahead doesn't serve anybody. I'm just going to try and take things day by day, do the things I need to do and get through it. All that aside, today's episode is another special one, a very special one, another small milestone. We've hit 20 episodes of this podcast. I really want to say just thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the feedback I get every week, the comments, the messages, the answers to the questions. Without an engaged community, creating things like this doesn't have the impact that it could. So I don't take it for granted whatsoever. I really don't take it for granted the fact that people give their time and effort every week to listen to this, to really listen to what I'm saying, to engage with it, and to talk to me about it. I really, really appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you continue to. I hope you continue to enjoy it. As promised in episode 10, this is episode 20, so I'll be answering 20 questions. Episode 10, I answered 10 questions. Episode 20, I'm going to answer 20 questions. I asked on my Instagram story last week for some questions. I got some very good ones. So without further ado, let's answer some questions. 20 for 20, 20 questions for 20 episodes. Let's do it. Question number one. How do you remain so calm and composed while recording? Very lovely question. Very lovely compliment. Framed as a question. Really nice. I appreciate that very much. I got a lot of questions similar to that. Really the simple answer is that I am calm and composed. I feel very relaxed doing this. I have a lot of practice speaking. It's obviously what I do daily. And I really do feel like I'm much better at it than I was when I started this podcast. I'm not sure if you as a listener have heard the difference, but I do feel a lot more comfortable, a lot more relaxed. A lot less worried about the things I was worried about when I started, which is really nice. I also know and have felt that in the episodes where I've been more myself and been more free and been more relaxed, those tend to be the episodes that people enjoy the most. So it really serves me well to not think too hard about what I'm doing, just relax and be myself. And I appreciate you for letting me be myself. So yeah, I feel calm, calm and composed. I feel relaxed. And that's all down to you guys. So thank you. Question two. 
What was the cataclysmic moment of your life when you decided to create your life? That's a very good question. I don't think there was one moment where I decided to make my life what it is. I also don't think I can take that much credit for my life being what it is. Of course, I've made decisions along the way and made choices that have put me in the position I am. And I've tried to make the best choices for myself. But of course, we have so little control over life in general that I think it would be a mistake for me to say that I created my life perfectly to be the way it is. I made the choices I made and I'm very happy I did. But there are a lot of things that have worked in my favor and a lot of things that people have done for me that have led to me being here. That being said, one of the moments that really led me to pursue creativity as a career was my first year of university. At university, all my closest friends from university are all from the drama department. They all did drama. And I was led in the direction, jury school, of doing something career-oriented, i.e. law, medicine, engineering, etc. Ended up studying English and French, but originally I wanted to do law just because, yeah, that was the direction I was led in. When I went to university was the first time I really met and was around people who had chosen creativity as a thing they were going to dedicate themselves to. And before that, I hadn't really seen that as a possibility for myself. Yet here in front of me were people I hugely respected, hugely admired, doing that for themselves. I really admired the bravery, the effort, the skill it took to commit to doing something creative for the rest of your life. And that was a big moment for me where I said, okay, if these people who are my friends, and we call each other friends, can do this, I'm sure I can do this too. So they really inspired me to do that. So yes, first year of uni, meeting my friends who do drama. That was a huge moment that made me decide to try and create the life that I have now. Appreciate you, my friends from Java. Question three. Do you have any advice for transitioning into a new stage of life? I never feel I'm ready. That's a really excellent question. I don't think you're ever ready for a new stage of life, especially one that's going to change and shape you in ways that will be truly life-changing. I don't think you're ever ready for that kind of thing. And I think one of the things that creates anxiety is the expectation that you should be. You should be ready for a big change when it comes, especially if it's a change that you've chosen, like changing a job, any relationship, something like that. You feel like, because I chose this, I should be ready. But I don't think you ever are. I don't think you can know all the possibilities. There will be difficulties you don't anticipate, but equally, there'll be good things about any change that you can't possibly know yet. So I think removing the expectation to be completely ready and embracing the fact you aren't is the way to go because you've had big changes before, you've got through those and you are where you are now. So you can do that anytime something changes and you will do that every time something changes. You will adapt to the change. You don't have to be 100% ready for it because I don't think 100% ready exists. But know that you're capable of adapting to whatever change it is. You'll be able to do it. Question four. Have you ever stopped talking to someone you thought was going to be in your life forever? Yes. I don't think you can hear that question and not have a montage of faces go across your mind. Yeah, there are quite a few people who I thought maybe in my life forever, who I no longer speak to or who I'm no longer close to. I think it's one of life's harshest and most painful lessons when you lose someone like that. There are many ways you can lose a person and each of them come with their own unique difficulties. 
I don't think there's a way around the pain and the grief you feel when that happens. And I don't think you ever really get over that either. You more get used to it and adjust to having that vacancy in your life, that space that you thought would always be filled. Acceptance of that and appreciation for the people that are around me now are the ways that I deal with that, I think. Though it's very difficult to lose someone that you thought would always be there, it does serve to teach you that nothing is permanent and that anything can go. And so the people that choose to be around you and love you and be in your life deserve that extra bit of appreciation and gratitude and love back because things could be different. Things may be different one day. So as long as things are good, and as long as they are there in your life, they are to be appreciated. And so I really try and appreciate the people who are around me and who I want in my life forever because things could be different and they're not. And for that, I'm very grateful. Yeah, it's hard to lose somebody, but I tried to balance that out by appreciating the people I do have. Question five, how to discover what I love? Everyone says, find your passion and follow it. I don't know what mine is. I understand that. I really understand that. Especially as someone who's, when I was growing up, I was always mildly interested in loads of things. And I didn't know what the thing was. I think if you're someone who knows what your passion is, you're very lucky. Because I feel like it's a more common experience to just have like some interest in some things, but not be 100% passionate about anything. So really, I feel that Anybody who knows what they're doing or who knows what they're passionate about is lucky. And if you don't know what you're passionate about, at least you have things that you'll like. You'll have things that you like, if not love. So focus on the things that you like. Be honest with yourself about the things that you like as well. Because I feel like a lot of the time there's pressure to act like you like certain things or love certain things because of how it looks to other people or like things according to perception, according to what you think would be valuable to other people. Whatever's valuable to you, whatever you like, focus on that and try and develop your love for that. Do more things around that. And give yourself time. Give yourself time. There's always time. No one says you have to know exactly the thing that you love more than anything right now. Give yourself time to discover it and to find out. But try. Try things. Yeah. Question six. How do you deal with feeling lonely even when surrounded. That's a feeling I've had a lot in my life. I went to multiple secondary schools. I had a year abroad at uni, so I felt like I did multiple stints at uni. My job is a very people-facing job, so I feel like I meet a lot of people. So there have been many times in my life where I felt like I know a lot of people, I'm around people all the time, I'm always outside, but I feel like there's no one really around me there's no one really with me you pick up your phone looking for someone to text or call and you scroll through your contact list and you feel like I can't actually talk to anyone about this this thing that I'm going through firstly I know it's not an easy answer to hear but this too shall pass everything passes you're not always going to feel lonely at some point something you will be seen somebody will see you on top of that I feel like The opposite of loneliness is feeling like you have company and feeling like you're seen. And that doesn't always have to be found in direct human interaction. I think one of the reasons I've always loved music so much 
is because when I hear lyrics that speak to me, I feel seen. I feel like even if I'm not talking directly to whoever made this piece of art, I'm not alone in this thing I'm feeling because someone's shared it enough and felt it keenly enough to create around it. So I think finding companionship in things that aren't direct human relationships is one of the ways that I've always coped with that. And one of the healthier ways I think to cope with the feeling of loneliness despite being around people. So yeah, finding companionship elsewhere, but also knowing that it's not a state of, a permanent state of being. You're not always going to be lonely. Those two things together, that's how I've always dealt with it. Question seven, how do you deal with failure? I'm actually much better at this than I used to be. I feel like in the past few years, especially in my life, I've tried so much and tried so many things that failure doesn't really hit me like it used to. So I think actually that's my first answer to the question to keep doing it. <laughs> keep trying. Um, the more you try, the more you fail. But if you try loads of things, they're not always going to be successful. And failure gets easier once you realize it's not a moral failing. It's not inadequacy. It's just this didn't work. As simple as that. This didn't work is a fact. And then we attach feelings to that. If I keep the fact as it is, and instead of dwelling on the feelings, try something else, then I feel that failure doesn't hit me as strongly as it, as it, as it could. I mean, to this day, when I post something that doesn't do as well as I thought it would do, or doesn't do particularly well, it still does feel like a failure. I have to really avoid the urge to archive posts and to avoid things because I really sometimes feel like I've failed. But the more you manage to push through those feelings, the easier it gets. And if you're not failing anything, you're not trying anything new. And to me, not trying is infinitely worse than failing. I'd way rather fail than have not tried something that I want to do. So yeah, basically, how to deal with failure, keep doing it and keep pushing through it. Also, failure evaporates at the point of success. If I post 100 videos and nothing happens and none of them get traction and none of it works, and then my 101st video blows up, the feeling of that video blowing up is gonna be amazing. It's gonna be just as amazing. No, it's in fact gonna be even more amazing than it would have been if it was the first video I'd posted because you've got all that experience that you put into it and all the effort that you put into it and the pride that you get to feel after pushing through those failures to the success. And once you have success or the success that you want out of something, the failure doesn't really matter. It's actually encouraging to other people, I feel, if they know or have seen that you didn't succeed straight away. And very admirable. The people I most admire are people who have been willing to fail at things in order to get good at them. Failure is a part of the journey. Accept it's part of the journey and it'll be easier to do. Question eight, how do you give and receive love? What makes you feel appreciated? To nobody's surprise, words of affirmation are my top love language. To give and receive, I'm very good at telling people the good things I think and feel about them. And equally, I love when people verbally affirm me. I love that. I love being told things, good things. It makes me happy. 
for someone who just said words of affirmation, I didn't, that wasn't particularly eloquent of me. I apologize. But yes, words of affirmation are my main love language. That's how I feel love. That's how I give love. One of the things I am working on and I feel I'm much better at than I used to be is showing love in ways that will be received correctly by the other party rather than showing love in the ways that I want to receive it. Something I am needing to work on is expressing how I want to be shown love. If I feel like someone's not giving me enough of something, I'm not always the best at articulating that and being, I guess, brave enough to tell them that. So that's something that I'm working on. But generally, yes, words of affirmation. That's that's my joint right there. Love it. Question nine. What is something that pushed you to start your podcast slash any of your creative ventures? My emotions, my feelings. I love what I do. Have I mentioned that ever before? I love what I do. I love everything I do. And it's the love for it. I just have to share the love for it. It's not enough for me to just love it myself privately. I, just, I, I need to share it. I need to show it to the people that know me and come across me. I just do. And when I share something that I've loved doing and it's identified with and I connect with someone over that, that is one of the best feelings in the world. I'm also very keen to, I'm, I'm very keen on self-improvement. I always want to push myself to be better. So when it comes to things like starting this podcast, for example, this is a completely new avenue for me. Doing something in long form, having the video version on YouTube, like my YouTube channel, all of that was very daunting. But I knew that doing it would give me skills that I didn't have. I knew that having the discipline to sit and edit for hours a week, I knew that having the foresight to be able to plan, having the patience to sit down and talk for this amount of time, having the meticulosity to do subtitles for all the videos every week, for example, which is what takes me longest, but it's very important to me that A, all my videos are accessible and B, that the nuance of what I'm saying isn't lost so that, so I have to do the subtitles myself because there are lots of, there are lots of small details that I really want in there. And I knew it would take a lot of effort from me, but essentially doing all of those things is helping me to grow as a creator. It's helping me to be better. And everyone who gives me their time deserves me to be the best version of myself. Anyone who watches, listens, enjoys anything I create deserves for me to put the maximum of my effort into it. And sometimes I'll get to a point with something where I can do something or create something without having to put the maximum of my effort into it. And that's wonderful. I'll keep doing that. But I also, that's when I tend to think, okay, let me start something else that takes more effort from me so that I continue to give what the people who consume my content deserve. So yeah, that was a bit of a long-winded answer. I'm not sure it was particularly direct, but I hope it was helpful. Question 10. Do you believe in five-year plans? Because I think they set you up for a world of disappointment. I understand that thinking. I do believe in long-term planning. I'm a big long-term planner myself. It's interesting. When I plan long-term, I tend not to set specifics because I know that... <sighs> Man makes planning God's laughs, you know? It's, it's, it's very easy for plans to go awry. It's very rare to set expectations for five years in the future and be accurate on everything that you expect. So I really do my best to be realistic with my planning and make my goals broad and adjustable. I think it's fine to plan long-term as long as you're not too attached to the outcome, as long as you don't, hedge all your bets on something specific happening. And also, I think it's impossible not to move through life and not plan for the future. I think 
with the way the world works, with the way society works, it's impossible to just wing it constantly. So you do have to plan, you do have to think about certain things. It's just, yeah, tempering your expectations for outcomes is very necessary when it comes to planning long-term because anything can happen in life, anything can change. So doing my best to make sure I temper my expectations is the way I get around that. But I do believe in long-term planning, I do. And even when disappointment comes, being able to cope with it is a really big skill to have and a necessary skill to have because disappointment happens all the time. To not plan for fear of disappointment, I think would be understandable, but I would feel like I wasn't giving myself what I deserved. I wasn't giving myself enough faith to try and make things happen or enough belief that I'll be able to deal with disappointment when it comes because we're stronger than we think. So yeah, I do believe in long-term planning just as long as your expectations are able to be adjusted accordingly if things don't go to plan. Question 11, how do you stay motivated and make time to pursue your passion while maintaining a nine to five? I chose to answer this question because I've been asked it a lot recently actually and asked it very recently by a very good friend who's going through that same thing. I had that for several years and I had a couple of false starts as well. I had a couple of points where I thought, cool, quitting this job, leaving work, gonna start creating full time and then had to go back to work which felt really tough, felt really humbling, felt really, I felt humiliated, even though it wasn't humiliating. I felt humiliated because I felt embarrassed for thinking that I could be doing these things. When it comes to working nine to five and trying to create, I'll be very honest, it can be quite brutal. You are knackered from the job you're doing. You're super tired and you don't have that much time, but you know that the only thing that's going to make you better or advance you in your creative career is time. So the very little time that you have, you have to pour into your creative stuff. And that can be very difficult. The number one thing I would say you need to do is to set that time aside and stick to it so religiously. Say you decide, okay, on Thursday evenings, I'm going to do this thing. Set Thursday evenings and do it Thursday evenings, no matter how you feel when Thursday comes around. You have to. Because if you don't set yourself specific time where you're supposed to do your things outside your nine to five. You just suddenly feel like every second of free time you have, there's this guilt that, oh, I should be working on this. I should be working on this. There's this constant abstract fear hanging over you that I need to be doing this. So you need to set a schedule where at least, okay, Thursday evening, I've done this. Wednesday evening, if I don't feel like doing anything, I can relax because I know, okay, Thursday evening, I'm going to do this. Friday evening, I can be relaxed because I know I do this on Thursday. And obviously that's just one example. It doesn't have to be a Thursday evening, but you know what I'm saying? Basically create the time or set the time where you work on your other stuff and don't deviate from it, no matter how you feel. And that's the second thing is that unfortunately it feels unfair. It feels exhausting. It feels like it's more than you can possibly do, but you just have to do it. <laughs> you just have to do it. So many times when I was working nine to five and obviously nine to five, usually, especially if you factor in a commute, isn't just nine to five, it's so many hours. And there'll be times where I was up in the early hours in the morning thinking, I can't, I can't do this. I'd be thinking, I can't do this and doing it. To have what most people don't have, you have to do what most people won't do. And sometimes circumstances don't align in the way that we would like or that would make things easy. But we have to be realistic with ourselves that, okay, this is what it is. I wish it was different, but this is what it is. So what am I going to do around it? All in all, hugely commend anybody who's trying to do things around a nine to five because it's so hard to do. So, so, so hard to do. Keep the faith, keep strong, believe in what you're doing. Every second you work on 
your creative stuff outside of that is a second towards the life that you want and the life you're building for yourself. Keep with it, be strict with your time and you are strong enough to manage it. It won't be like this forever, but while it is, give it everything that you have. Question 11. Oh, sorry, that was question 11. Question 12. Do you believe that we all have a purpose here on earth? If so, what do you believe yours is? I do believe that we all have a purpose. I couldn't tell you directly exactly what my purpose is, but I do believe that it's got something to do with people. I love people. I think nobody is all bad. I think there are things that bind us all together. I think there are things that connect us all. I feel like I learn about other people in different circumstances and other lives to my own every day. Every day there's something to learn about somebody else. And getting to find that out and getting to learn that is one of the greatest joys in my life. One of the best things about what I do is being able to connect with people. I've said it so many times. That's what I love most about doing what I do. So I know my purpose has something to do with working with people. And I continue to discover my purpose as I continue to do what I do. And as I continue to live, really, I feel like I do live very authentically as myself now. So I'm on my path to, to knowing what my true one purpose is. And then in, in the meantime, I'm trying to be, have the best impact I possibly can on those I come across. But yeah, I do believe everyone has a purpose. I know mine has to do with people in some way. I feel like I'm living it to some extent, but I do feel like I've got more to give. So I'm figuring it out. Question 13. What do you hope to achieve for your audience as a creator? And has that changed over time? I think initially, as a creator, what I was hoping to achieve from my audience was to find people who identified with what I was doing. I think, yeah, I think I was just trying to find, I was trying to be seen. I really wanted to be seen. Everything I was creating was something I cared about so much. And I wanted to know that there were other people who cared about it as much as I did and could see me for who I was through what I was making. That's still the case. That's still very much the case. But I think there are added layers as I've become better and more successful at what I'm doing. I think now there's an added layer of responsibility. I get a lot of messages from younger men who say, or who ask me about specific things in life. And I'm aware that all of a sudden I'm in a position where I can actually offer some perspective and guidance to, and not just younger men, to, to anybody who feels that I have some experience in an area that they would like more experience in or like more knowledge of. So yeah, I feel like now I have a level of responsibility that I wasn't aware that I'd have or that I'd find. And I feel super grateful for that. So humbled by it because sometimes I think, who am I to give anyone advice or anything? And what I hope for my, what I hope for for my audience, I hope people get from me is, I've said before how I want anyone who comes across me to go away feeling better. But I also want people to feel like, I want people to feel the things that I get to feel. I want people to feel like they're safe to feel around me, to talk to me about how they feel, to ask me for anything, to ask me for advice. And I want people to continue to feel like they're growing with me as they watch me grow. That's really what I want. And I think, as I said, that's an extra layer. And one I'm so grateful to feel. And one I'm going to continue to try to work on. Yeah. Question 14. How has your relationship to social media 
has it affected your mental health? I think my relationship with social media is good. It is good. I, with as with anything, has positives and negatives. I try to take the good and leave the bad. I don't spend as much time on it as one would think doing what I do. And it's just, it's a marvelous tool. I think a lot of the things that we see as harmful are things that are being misused. A lot of the things that we see as negative aren't negative in nature. It's that we make them negative. So I see myself as having a big responsibility to use social media in the right way. If I think it's negative, I need to be more positive with it. If I think it harms me negatively, I need to spend more time off it. So I think I have a very good, very healthy relationship with social media generally. Yeah, I think I do. Question 15. What advice would you give to someone trying to discover and develop their personal style? Good question. Very timely question as well, because I, at the moment, I'm trying to share more lifestyle content, I guess, on Instagram. I really like to dress as in like I like clothes. I, I, I feel like I'm not necessarily, I'm not a fashion person because people I know who are fashion people, they are, you know, the knowledge, the investment, the time it takes to really be into fashion. I see what the people who I, what the amazing fashion creators I know put into their fashion. And I know that I'm not on that level, but I do like to look nice. I feel like I'm very good at knowing what makes me look good, my proportions, et cetera. And I've been trying to share more of that on Instagram. I've been trying to share more pictures rather than just videos, which has been a little bit daunting, but I'm enjoying it. I think when it comes to discovering your personal style, you just have to be, again, okay to fail. You have to be okay with at one, at, at one point in the future, you're going to look back and say, what was I doing there? Why was I doing that? But that's all just part of the fight. It's all part of the journey. And no one looks good 100% of the time. And what looks good now isn't always going to look good in the future. Some things are just of a time. Some things look good now and in 10 years, someone's going to say, what was that? I mean, you get that all the time with, you know, kids and their parents, where you look at pictures of parents previously, you think, wow, they're just like that. What were you doing then? That happens. So yeah, just don't be afraid to fail. And that's, I'm saying that to whoever asked the question, I'm saying that to me too, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't be afraid to fail. Question 16, what do you like to drink in winter? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate for me is a winter delight to drink. Sometimes with all the trimmings, you know, with the cocoa and the cream, et cetera, cocoa, marshmallows, marshmallows and cream, etc. But generally, yes, winter is hot chocolate for me. Tea is a year round thing. Coffee, I do like coffee, but coffee is a real treat for me. And also sometimes a necessity. I stopped drinking coffee regularly at the beginning of last year. Last year, I think it went nine months or something without drinking coffee. And then the first one I drank made me so anxious. <laughs> but I used to love coffee when I was young and I still do. I just tend to drink that more sporadically. Tea all year round, but winter is for hot chocolate. That's just how I feel. Question 17. What is your greatest strength to overcome the fearful voice in your head? Mine is quite a loud one. And that's why I feel very proud of myself for the fact that I'm stronger than him. I'm much stronger than him at this point. Wasn't always, but I am now. Practice. It's like a muscle. The more you do it, the easier it gets. It's still heavy. 
the weight of that is still heavy, but you just get easier at striking it off. And sometimes I will go as far as to write down or make physical, make physical, make tangible the times where I thought I wouldn't be able to overcome my fear to do a certain thing. And I've managed to. Sometimes I have to do that. But yeah, to overcome the fearful voice in your head is, is a case of practice. And it doesn't even have to be like the biggest things every time. Just small things I was more anxious to do before that I do now. And knowing, and every time I'm fearful of something, reminding myself of the times I've overcome my fear and everything's turned out okay. Trying to self-soothe and reassure myself with evidence really helps for me. So that's how I try and overcome the fearful voice in my head, which is still there, but it just gets easier to push past. Question 18. Are you living your most authentic life? Definitely. More so now than ever in my life. My sister said that to me the other day, actually that I'm living my most authentic life, which I really appreciate. My sister is so real. Like she won't tell me that kind of thing unless it's absolutely true. She's, <laughs> she's got no time to lie. I'm definitely living my most authentic life. I think it shows up most in the things I create and the people that I'm around. The people I'm around are people I admire so much for their authenticity and for who they are. And they wouldn't have time for me, frankly, if... I were to be inauthentic or to live inauthentically. I actually know that I've become a much stronger character and become someone I like and respect a lot more because of the people I'm around. I have friends now that I don't think I would have had a strong enough personality to be friends with four or five years ago because I would have felt that they'd seen my own authenticity and seen my pretense at the time. And that would have made me scared to be around them for fear that they'd see me who I was, for fear that they would see me for who I was. Whereas now, anyone can see me. I don't mind because I am who I am. If someone doesn't take to me, is what it is. So yeah, I'm definitely living my most authentic life. I feel like it shows up in the things that I create as well. I feel I wouldn't have, again, a community I respect so much. People who are so freely willing to be vulnerable and open, etc. I wouldn't have that community if I weren't authentic in the things I was creating, the things I was doing. So yeah, definitely living my most authentic life. I'm very grateful for it too. It's much more relaxing. It's much more relaxing. Question 19. How do you balance finding a routine, being comfortable and getting out of your comfort zone? Knowing when it's the season for each of those things. Sometimes all three of those things can work together. Sometimes you can only focus on one. Sometimes two work concurrently. Just recognizing when it's time to do all of them because you can't do all of them all the time. You can't. But knowing when it's the time to, and when I don't know when it's the time to, committing to doing one and being okay with being wrong, choosing. If I make a choice and the choice is wrong, I can at least know that I made that choice for a reason and not punish myself for being wrong about it. But yeah, knowing when it's the season for each. And listening to my instincts on that too, because we know a lot more than we think. Question 20. Our final question. What do you want from life? Big one. I am for contentment. We all know this. Contentment, fulfillment, and balance. Those are the things I aim for more than anything. I feel like I have access to a lot of those things a lot of the time. And that's another thing. I'd, my life is never going to be 100% what I want it to be. 
because life doesn't work like that. So if I can be contented, feel fulfilled and have a good balance in all things generally, then I feel like I'm living a good life. And right now, I feel like I'm living a good life, which I think is a good note to end on. Thank you so much once again for being here today, for having been here for 19 previous episodes and for the mini episodes in future I hope you are around for. Whatever you're doing this week, I hope you have a wonderful one.